0: podcast. It's not a political show. It's a podcast about church culture and the culture at large, viewed through the lens of Scripture. It's the Richards Revelations podcast with Scott Richards. Here's your host, Scott Richards. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Scott Richards. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we try to live our lives just a little bit better, as we look at things through the lens of Scripture and then apply it to our life. I want to encourage you to share these podcasts with others. And if you're liking these podcasts, go ahead and hit the like icon and subscribe. If you'd like to participate in the ongoing production of this podcast, there's information below on how you can donate, if you're so inclined. Once again, I am truly thankful that you take the time to listen to these podcasts. Welcome. Before we get into today's topic, I want to let you know that you can follow us on social media. We have a Facebook page, Richard's Revelations Podcast, we have other social media platforms like YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and so forth. And you can find those under my personal name, Scott Allen Richards. Allen spelled A-L-A-N. I want to take a brief break from the series Hebrew Roots and talk about what seems to be one of the big things in the church culture and even in their secular media and so forth are beginning to take notice and talk about what's been coined as the Asbury University revival now for starters this is not going to be a criticism of it this is not going to be declaration that this is not a revival it's also not going to be a declaration that this is definitely a revival time will tell we're going to get into that and discuss some of the various things that are going on there and what is revival and what isn't revival and what has sadly in our culture been falsely claimed as revivals in the past, and briefly talk about the last true, authentic revival in America. But first, as we analyze these sort of things, we want to first look at first John chapter four, verse one it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. In various places we find in Scripture this we're to test the fruit, we're to test things. Don't just blindly believe it. And as I said, sadly, we have in our culture so many false prophets out there that make all kinds of claims and false revivals and this sort of thing, manipulation that goes on, and people will call it a revival, a move of God or awakening and so forth. And so we have that danger that happens, unfortunately. We've seen it too often. Pensacola, various places and so forth, which are very isolated things, very manipulated It did not have the actual true marks of what revival is. Now, I want to say that in the beginning of this, and there have been some other things that have on the outskirts of this that have not been great, but in and of itself, at the beginning of this, the actual university, the people in the university, were not calling this a revival. They consistently stressed, this meeting is not about us. It is about lifting up Jesus. That is different than some of the things that we have seen that have been self-manipulated in the past and coined and called a revival, where it pointed the attention upon an individual or a particular church or something, and they became even more famous, and they became even more wealthier, for that matter. And it was an inward sort of thing. It was pointed directly to, look at this man of God. Look at what this place is doing as opposed to the difference and the contrast of what a real revival is, that it's not about an individual. It's lifting up Jesus, trying not to really draw attention to themselves, but to draw attention to Jesus Christ. Now, initially in the beginning, that's what was happening here, and that's what the heart of the university was. In fact, they were not streaming these meetings. When it first started, it was simple, a simple message, which was strong in content because of the nature of the Scripture of the message there. It was very mild and simple. It was addressing what the Word of God taught and how you need to be in line with what this, and so many, or at least a few initially, found that, man, they they weren't living up to the standard of God's Word, and so they repented. And so I will say this, that as we talk about revival and what a true revival is, there are two types of authentic revival. One is the Individualized revival. An individual comes to the place that they've not been living up to the standard. Maybe they've backslidden or whatever. And the term revival, revive, is to take something that has died and revive it. It once was alive, but it has since died and needs to be revived. This would be speaking of a person that has put their faith in Jesus Christ, called themselves a Christian, but maybe has not been living up to the standard or have strayed, have fallen into a, a sin lifestyle. And then comes that realization through the teaching of God's Word or reading of God's Word that, man, they're out of line. They've missed the mark, and they need to get back on track. And so they surrender over to God. And we we see that even in in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And I know this verse oftentimes is used in the evangelistic settings, but it's actually talking about the church, where Jesus is standing there saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone will open the door and let me in, I will come in and so it's look you you've put me outside you once were alive you once were walking with me you were once in line with scripture but you've since put me outside let me back in let me take ownership of your life again let me lead your life again put me on the throne of your life again and so as on an individual basis you can have revival you personally getting right with god is in fact a revival it is a personalized revival. Now, I will say, based on listening to individuals from the university, that this has happened to them. They explained that they really weren't living for God like they should have. And so they got right with God. That administered to them, the message and so forth. And so they repented and got right with God. So I will say clearly, in that sense, there were definitely some individual revivals, and possibly even gotten a little bit bigger, but initially it was a few people that God got a hold of their heart for the power of the Holy Spirit, and they repented and got right with God. Now, I will say this, we all, and we should be praying, we all really want revival. We want those that have called themselves Christians, those that put their faith in Jesus, that have not been living up to the standard, that have started to allow the world to influence their life, and they started to believe things that are not scriptural and and they've strayed and they've backslidden and all the sort of things that go on in one's life, we definitely want to pray that people would repent and come back to God. And then beyond that, that evangelism would take place, that there's an outpouring of God's Spirit, that there's an awakening where the unsaved, those that have never put their faith in Jesus Christ, will do that. And so we long for that, we pray for that, and we want that to happen. And from a sincere place... I hope that out of this, what's happening there, that sort of thing can and will take place. But only time will tell whether or not that's what's happening or is going to happen. The second definition of a revival is where begins to spread, and multiple people begin to repent and get right before God, and it goes out from there. So revival isn't something, oh, we get on planes, we get on buses, and we go to experience some move of God somewhere. And it stays in one place. But it's people that are impacted in a particular place or whatever. And it, it isn't happening just in one place, it's happening in multiple places. And it goes out from there. And those individuals that have their lives have been changed are so impacting, it actually starts affecting the non believer, the one who has not put their faith in Jesus Christ. And they get saved. And that becomes like a domino effect that it's happening in large numbers and it's going wide and deep. That you would look at that and say, that's a revival. We look at the Welsh revival and the true revivals of the past where bars actually shut down because people were getting saved. Their clientele, their customers were getting saved and no longer going to the bar. And you cannot continue to operate a business if you've got no customers. And so bars literally would shut down because the customers stopped coming Because the customers were getting saved. That's when a revival takes place in such a way that it's such a move of God, an outpouring of God's Spirit, an awakening, that it's spreading so wide that it's having an effect on the culture at large. It isn't an isolated thing at a particular school or a particular church, and it only stays there, you know. Or you want to try to go in there and get it and let some of that rub off on you and take it, which unfortunately we're seeing some of that, But some people saying, oh, I need to go there because I need it to rub off on me and then I can take. You can't manipulate the Holy Spirit. You can't force a revival. You can't uh, transplant it by simply your appearance of being somewhere and then going somewhere. That stuff spreads when God does work in an individual life and it happens multiple times, time again, over and over and over again. And it spreads out from there. It is not something you go pick up. Try to put it in a bottle and go and bring it somewhere else and then open the bottle and go, here it is. Like a genie in a bottle, like I brought the Holy Ghost back with me, and so now we're going to have revival. No, because God is omnipresent. God is all over the place. And so when God desires and wants to have an outpouring of God's spirit and do an awakening and a true revival and evangelism, he's going to do it. You can't schedule that. And I will insert here that in many denominations and church cultures, they would do these things where they would schedule, quote unquote, a revival. Hey, we're going to have a week or two of revival, invite people. And they'll get a guest speaker to come in. We'll have some music and all that kind of stuff, maybe guest artists or whatever. And every night for that whole week, they'll have, quote, unquote, a revival. You don't schedule a revival. You don't schedule the Holy Spirit to go, okay, now you've got to do something here. No, that is what you would call evangelistic outreach events. Now, that's fine. Say, hey, we're having an evangelism outreach. We're going to bring in some guest artists maybe, or we're going to bring in a guest speaker possibly or whatever. And we want you to bring your unsaved friends and family, co-workers, whatever, because uh, this person or whatever has an impactful uh, story or whatever on how God changed their life. And so you bring them in in hopes that that evangelistic message, they will get saved. Again, evangelism is to the unsaved. Unfortunately, too often we in the church will say we're having a revival. Go bring your unsaved people. Revival is reviving, as I said, that which is dead but once was alive. So all that to say is that's what the markings of a a revival is. The last time, the last authentic time that we had a revival in this culture in in America and actually spread beyond America was back in the 60s and 70s and kind of moved into the 80s as well. was during the Jesus People movement where the outcast, the hippies, the the drug addicts, the anti-war, the free love and all that sort of stuff, culture began to get saved at a little church in Orange County. Now, shameful plug here, the movie just came out. It's called The Jesus Revolution, and it is one aspect. It is a piece of what that was. It, and it's, in the movie, it is framed around young people that get saved, but there's more to it. Many more lives were affected. The What we know today that is called the contemporary Christian music genre was birthed out of that. Now, like in a lot of things, when man gets their hand on it, it can mess it up. And so even, you know, you look at it today and men control, you know, you could be a good artist, you could be a good writer, but unless you get their approval, unless you fit into their cookie cutter thing that they have of CCM, then no one's going to hear about you for the most part. Luckily we have social media. And so, you know, you can have a groundswell of your own followers and things, but typically to be on the national wide or worldwide acknowledged or be able to get on the radio and some big record deal. If you don't fit into their mold, then it's not happening. But when this originally started, that wasn't the case. It was everyday people, hippies and so forth, getting saved and writing raw, authentic music about what God meant to them. And that was the birth of what we would call the Christian contemporary music genre of today. Now, the reason that I say that we can look at that and say that it is an authentic, true revival is that it wasn't localized. It wasn't short-lived. It still has the effect going on in the culture today because out of that situation, those people that got saved, radically saved, went out. And as I said, they did music. They wrote music and all this sort of things. And there's bands that came out of that. You had the early days of the second chapter of Acts. You had uh, Love Song, Honey Tree, Good News. There's so many different little bands in the early days that came out of that that sprung in the music sense. But then you had people that got saved and got discipled, this is important, they got educated in God's Word and discipled, went out and planted churches around the world. And out of those churches, people that got saved and raised up and trained and discipled went out and planted churches. And so you have ministries and other churches that are continually just spread to this day based on what God did back in those days. So when you look at over church history, to be able to determine what is a revival, it is something that's long-lasting. It isn't a blip in the pan. It isn't something that's kind of flares up and then goes away. And then there's no no fruit of it. There's no long-lasting, broad effect of it. When you look back in church history, uh, Zusa, the Welsh revival, as I said, and so forth, you see a broad effect and long-lasting effect of what's going on there. And so my hope and prayer is, that hopefully something like that might happen. Now, I do find it interesting that the timing that is happening there has also correlated with the pre-showings of these different churches and different theater places before the official release of this Jesus Revolution movie. I have no idea if there's any connection to that at all, that anybody who's impacted by that. But the long and short of it is, When God gets a hold of somebody's heart and changes their life or restores them, revives them, individualized revival. An outpouring, an awakening, is as as I said, when it happens multiple times and continues to spread. And it goes in multiple places. We will see, in time, when we look back, whether or not this is a true, authentic revival. Again, the university itself didn't call it a revival. What happened was... As I said, they were not streaming these early on. This was the college. They were doing their thing. Okay? It was people that were there, some of the kids, different ones, decided to take and do social media postings on it. And it kind of spread from there. I will say this as well. Those videos and those little photos and so forth that were put out on social media, only early on, you might be able to find some other stuff there, but certainly early on, you only seen it when there was a lot of people there. Well, Those were the evening sessions. But throughout the day, remember, it was presented as, oh, it kicked off on a particular Wednesday and and has been going 24-7 nonstop since that Wednesday that it started. Given the idea that this place is packed 24-7 and there's this massive outpouring of God's spirit and there's revival happening over there, when the majority of the day was pretty empty couple people sitting on the stage, one with a piano or guitar and no big bands, no big flashy light show, any of that stuff. They were just constantly just playing music in the background. There were some students would be there with their laptops doing homework. It wasn't a pack situation, not twenty four seven. But that's not the images that you got reported on the Christian news sites, the Secular news sites, once they picked up on it, of course, they didn't pick up on it, obviously, for several days because it it started getting busy on social media and everything and all this proclamation that there's a revival. So it was those that were posting their social media things that were calling it revival. The school did not. So it was almost as if it was from the outside saying, oh, this is what this is. Then people decided, oh, they're going to start showing up to go see what this is all about. And so the crowds got bigger. They were spectators. It wasn't like These people necessarily were there and God was having an impact on them. They were spectators with their phones out, all this kind of stuff. So you had a lot of that stuff going on. Now, here's the other danger in the things that we've seen in the past that were called revival, where something, in a sense of manipulation or whatever, where it's just constant, a bunch of emotionalism. And if you just continue to sing, 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 and then oftentimes you will get this where you have a repeated going on and on and on, repeat, 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 the same line over and over. And it's almost like this trance thing, which is used in the cultic world to get people into a trance, a weird state of mind. Where the, a mantra, a constant repeat, repeat, repeat of this, um, whatever the be a song or chant or whatever, will put them into this weird trance mode or whatever. That actually happens sometimes in some of these places where, where things are manipulated. So even though they're like quote-unquote Christian songs or worship songs... They will be, they'll go on for so long, just repeating, repeating, that people end up in this sort of trance. And you, we've got to be careful of that as well. And the songs need to be biblical. Unfortunately, in some situations as this has gone on, there's been more and more of music and things coming from artists and churches and organizations and things that I would say. Is not healthy simply because of the untheological stances on things, and even some of the songs are not theological when you listen to them at all, and they're just not. Uh, but or they make you gooey, they make you feel good. Uh, so many of them it's weird. It's like almost like someone wrote a, a love song to Jesus, like some woman's in love with Jesus, with the just the way the phraseology and the words that are being used. It's like it's like a love song to Jesus or is this supposed to be worship. So anyway, do you have those kind of things that kind of work there. Some of those songs are being sung in there as well and things. So the whole thing is just to be cautionary on this, that it doesn't get take over by others. Now, I will say the college, I think, and I'm going to get into a couple other things here, and I think that's probably why they're trying to uh, shut it down, or I wouldn't say necessarily shut it down, but prevent some of this other stuff from happening because their initial heart desire was, this isn't about us, it's about Jesus, we're not trying to make a big deal about this. But it's become a big deal because you have these big name people coming in there. So now the college has decided they're going to like stream their evening service, uh, some portions of those things. So, hey, if you want to participate, participate at home, but don't come here anymore. Stop showing up because it started to become an overwhelming thing and people begin to show up for their own personal gain. And that's a danger as well, where you've got people that are trying to attach themselves to it, to somehow benefit them in some way and, and then be able to go back and take it to wherever they're at, and then manufacture something locally, and then, as I said, you have situations of the past where people have manipulated or created these situations and said they're revival and outpouring, and uh, so people would fly in, and people would come from all over the place, and it was a flash in a pan. It didn't last. It was no long-lasting thing. The only thing that happened was that individual became more popular and more rich, because <laughs> yes. They took offerings of to themselves. So it was more of about the individual instead of the work of God. Now, here's some of the things that I think should be a concern to us, and I think is a concern of the kind of university, which is why they made a recent change that it's not open to everybody anymore. And that is because you had people, false prophets, just really lay out there, false prophets like Todd Bentley out there, that has tried to attach himself to this. Because he basically lied. He made false claims that he was invited there, number one. They didn't invite him there. In fact, the university themselves are like, why would someone like that even want to be here? From a theological perspective, I mean, it's like worlds apart, number one. Number two, he lied and said that he was booked for a couple days at that revival. That's a full-on lie. okay. Now, he's already been proven to be a false prophet in many other ways, and and of course, this is the same guy that was married to one woman, and while in ministry, and all these other sort of things, was sleeping with somebody else, and ultimately married her, and left his wife, and this is the guy that uh, is connected with Che out of L.A., and Johnson, over there in Bethel, they both did this whole, where they believe in this whole transference of anointing, where they called him a man of God, and they did a transference of an anointing on this guy. And this guy's weird. He's all into praying to angels and all kinds of things. I'm not going to—podcast isn't about that. But I'm just saying this is a guy who's tried to attach himself to this, and probably because he wants to some sort of somehow get a benefit, personal benefit like he's done in the past in some way. Now, I will say, to the credit of the university, he was not welcomed with open arms. He was not, like, brought on stage or— he, in fact, had to sit way in the back, like all the other spectators, and so forth. So that's good, and they weren't really pleased. They are kind of wondering why in the world he'd want to show up anyways. And you have another guy who has uh, trouble with the true teaching of God's Word, and that's Greg Lockett. He became a social media craze during the COVID, and I don't think a lot of people know his history either, where he liked Bentley. Of course, his was in 2018, which is before the whole COVID thing. He was having an uh, inappropriate situation with the secretary, and him and his wife got divorced, and he claimed it wasn't because of adultery, but within a, few, a couple months married his assistant uh, at the church. So that's a whole problem there. He showed up down there doing his little social media things and his big bus promoting his movie coming out because it's painted all over the side of it and stuff like that. So again, some of these people are going to capitalize on themselves. Hey, here's a big audience. I can go promote my my thing, thing I'm doing and so forth, and so he shows up. They weren't pleased about that. The university was not excited about him coming uh, or even attempting to come when they heard that he was planning on coming. You know, they they were not pleased with that. Now, I will say that when K- Kenneth Copeland's people showed up, they actually told them to leave. They spotted them right away and told them to leave, and that's a good thing. So there are some big-name people, others, that this is the danger in this sort of thing, that they will try to attach themselves to it for personal gain, and that is a problem. I will say to the credit of the university, they weren't open to it. They didn't welcome those people in to participate. Now, someone shows up, it's like, yeah, okay, they show up. Maybe, uh, you know, God will get a hold of them and they'll repent and, and get right with God and stop being false prophets and so forth. But, you know, only God can do that work. All that to say is we need to be very cautious about just declaring that this is a revival. I think in time, we will know on what happens, on what the effect of it, how wide does it go. Is it localized in the sense that it's just them or people that are coming to witness it? But does it spread beyond there? Does it really have an impact on the culture? Now, there is also one other thing I wanted to mention here, some claims that are out there that people are like, oh, this particular person, which is now dead, they prophesied that when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, There would be a revival at Asbury University. Now, there is no video of this. This is not in writing anywhere. This is hearsay. This is where someone said, oh, they told me this. They told me this prophetic word. Those are the kind of things you have to be skeptical as well. Because there's people like this that will make up things and make claims to try to justify or say, yes, that's what this is because this person over here prophesied something. Much of these same people that make these prophecies, quote unquote prophecies, have been already proven to be false prophets in many cases. The majority of these people prophesied Donald Trump would be the president in office after the 2020 election. Okay, now they've tried to manipulate. Some have said, "Oh, it maybe it's 2024." I don't know. They were specific: 2020 after the 2020 election, he would still be the president. And then people want to, "Wow, it was stolen from him." Well, oh, wait a minute. If something is a prophecy from God, man cannot disrupt what God has proclaimed is going to happen. So to make the claim that, oh, this was stolen, therefore God's prophecy couldn't come true, that's bogus. Because God, when he makes a prophecy, or one, those aren't the kind of things that get into all that here, but what is a real prophecy from God and what isn't, but just using their thing that they're, Pentecostal movements and so forth out there that go off into all these things, self-proclaimed prophets and prophetess that come up with these things, if God was prophesying this, it would have happened. No man can stop what God has declared will happen. And they can't get around that. But many of these people are the same people that have done things like that. The same thing, if people know anything about looking into things in the history, but some of these same guys, some of these same people in those circles said the same thing about George Bush Sr. in 92. Declared God prophesied that he would be the president and win the 92 election. Well, we all know that didn't happen. Yet, people continue to follow these people when they were proven to be false. Anyway, all that to say is there's the danger of those kind of things that are happening around this thing. We do pray, do want an outpouring of God's spirit. We need it in this country, in this world. We need people to get right with God. We need people to get saved. And so we pray for a sincere outpouring of God's spirit into this land that it would have a true lasting effect in, in their life, not only for their own sake, for eternity, but for the culture at large. One last point I will make. Typically, revivals, when they happen, they'll birth somewhere. They'll spread and all that kind of stuff. But you don't typically see, I use that word typically because I, I have not found in church history where multiple revivals came out of the same thing. It seems that they have claimed, every so often they'll do this, where 1970s there's a revival. So many years before that, there was a revival at the same university. They, they were localized. Again, these things were localized back then as well. But it seemed to be only this university, not other universities, not other area. Now, in these particular times that, quote, unquote, they had a revival, they seemed to be only at that university consistently every so many years they had a quote unquote revival. And one thing in the background of all this as well is they've been praying for another one. Now mind you, back in the sixties and seventies when that outpouring burst out of Orange County, California, that did spread all over. So I would say that probably impacted that university as well. But prior to that, there was multiple where it only was just that university. No nowhere else. And they've consistently want another one. They want another one. They want another one. At the university, not as a general prayer for America or their state or whatever, the country, the world. It wasn't uh, one of those type of we need uh, a revival in America, you know, sort of thing. Like we've all been praying. Hopefully we've all been praying. This was more like, oh, we want a revival at our university. We want a revival at our university. So that can be problematic as well. But again, back to, yes, you can have an individualized revival, individual people getting revived. So I think one of the things that could happen that would be a benefit to this university where revival should take place is some of their positions and stances that they have um, kind of gotten away from God's word on in some of the areas of uh, homosexuality and different things like that. It seems that they have been very open to people living out in that lifestyle and being okay. So I think in a sense like that, yes, it's very important to have a revival in that university to get those things corrected in line with God. So all that to say is I do pray and hope that this is an authentic revival. But caution here that just because some people on social media and secular media and so forth have claimed and hold this a revival doesn't mean it's a revival. Have some people there individually, students at that university, repent and got right with God? Absolutely praise God. And that should happen at every university, even the secular universities. We've got to be praying that an outpouring of God's Spirit would hit the secular universities that used to be Christian universities. That would be an amazing thing. That would be a true testament that, that there is a revival happening in the universities of America when the woke, liberal, twisted universities that once were Christian universities would come to their knees, repent, and get right with God. Now, that would be something. But... I don't think that we can call this a revival yet. I think time will tell. We look back on it. Is God working in people's lives? Yes, he is. Praise the Lord. And we want that. We want that to continue. Let's continue to pray for revival in America. And again, if you want to know what it, sort of, what it can look like and one of the things, uh, certain traits of it, I encourage you, go see the film that just came out, Jesus Revolution. It is a snippet. Mind you, a snippet. It doesn't tell the whole story. Um, there are many more lives and many more things that transpired. It is a movie. It's done to be entertaining. But the gist of the story on the type of people's lives that were being changed at the time is true and authentic. And that's what you see in a real revival an outpouring of God's spirit and, and awakening that still lives on today. It wasn't a flash in a pan where it rose up and then it went away. This still lives on today. And as I said, even more churches and ministries have been planted. Colleges, study institutions, all birthed as a result of what God did in the lives of the outcast. 60s and 70s into the 80s. Still the impact you can look at today, where God's outpouring at that time can be seen relevant today in America, and in fact, around the world. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Next time, we'll be back into Hebrew Roots Movement the Torah followers. Until next time, God bless you.